All right, welcome everybody. It's another edition of the Sports Hole. I'm Luke, as always, joined by Maddie Goldberg. Maddie, give a shout. <laughs> and XFL Jim. What the fuck is up, guys? What a week it's been. What a month May has been. <laughs> this year is actually awesome. I'm yeah, no, it's terrific for sure. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's starting out pretty good. I mean, uh, not wearing my mask as much feels good. I'm on team vaccine. I'm on team double vaccination. They just announced that rule. I don't have to wear a mask ever again. I'm fucking. You're lucky. God I'm bless in the city. Well, we're stuck in California, so they they, to, they do their own rules here. Apparently, middle of nowhere, just the middle of nowhere in this fucking country was really good about getting vaccinations in. Because well, no, I mean we'll be safe June 15th, June 14th. <laughs> we won't be safe. I took a road trip in September, and I visited my cousin in Oklahoma. This was like in the middle of the shit. I, w- I met him at a restaurant. I was like the only dude wearing a mask. This is way before vaccines or anything. And they you had a very low death rate. So You and the coach of uh, Oklahoma Sooners. Name That's right. Me and uh, Jeff Fink. Or not Jeff Fink. What, what the fuck is that guy? Mike Gundy. And Mike other- Gundy. Yeah. yeah. Thinking of the fan Gundy's. Yeah, me and him watching the OWN Network together. Uh, oh, Mike Gundy's the man. <laughs> Mike Gundy was a legend. <laughs> hey, okay, we had the Preakness this weekend. You yeah. degenerates. Yes, tell me, again. tell me the stories of this weekend. Tell me how you did gambling this weekend. What was going on at the Preakness? Matty G cleaned up again. Oh yeah, I had a, this is what I do. The sickness of me. Every once in a while, I want to try to top the. Uh, our XFL gym is being a degenerate. I don't know if I can, but uh, Friday, Saturday morning, I just hit YouTube. I watched 40 or 50 Preakness uh, previews and uh, just guys handicapping it. It doesn't get help you shit. Maybe it does because I've, I've picked out two winning horses, but everybody's got a long shot. Everybody's got a different long shot. Everybody's got a different favorite. They all have reasons. It's insane. And you just got to filter through that information and take what you see best from that. Or it could just be dumb luck. I don't know. But I took a favorite concert tour with shit to bed. And I took two uh, dogs, Ron Bauer and the number four horse, which I forget the name, but it was trained by Chad Brown, who's a very good trainer. And Ron Bauer took it at 11 to 1. So I won about 260 on it. And then I gave nice. a buddy of mine who's got a lot of money, three picks. He put 200 on concert tour, 100 on the other two. He hit uh, Ron Bauer at 11 to 1. He got paid out 1,200. And then he gave me a 100 buck tip. So felt pretty good. That's awesome. Jim, how about I you? Actually, I actually, one of my degeneracies saved me from another. Um, I was about to bet on the Preakness. I believe I was going to do it Friday night. I was feeling it, feeling really lit, feeling mean, feeling lean. Yep. Um, I was, I was going to, I was going to be like, this druggy horse is going to win it again. I was going to put it all on Medina spirit. Oh, yeah. And I got blackout fucking You're drunk. So lucky. Blasted. And I didn't make the bet. I was, uh, <laughs> you know, up until the morning, I, out of all the YouTube videos, they were all like, look, I know you don't want to go for Medina Spirit, but it's his it's his race to lose. So I was very close to betting on him. 
because that's so what's seen with the majority of it. And he he was winning until he ran out of gas. That was that, so like weeks yeah. ago. I was talking with a couple people who are very into horse racing, and they're just sure. like Medina Spirit, very likely to win the Kentucky Derby. The Preakness being a longer race, that is a yep. sprinter horse, not a distance horse. There was like they were saying there was like little to no chance, but I was like, no, nah, this horse is hocked up, and I don't even know what kind of drug. Yep. I'm gonna bet this shit. Well, he would have won. Yeah, if it was a sprint, he would have won. It's yep. a longer race. And- How much longer is it? Ah, uh, shit. See, I'm not that big of a horse guy, but. I'm going to say an extra half mile, maybe. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. I think yeah. the Belmont's the longest. Belmont okay. is definitely the longest. So that's the hard part about winning the Triple Crown is usually these horses don't race every two weeks. So you got to win a race every two weeks and they get longer each time. Mm-hmm. So Medina Spirit was winning. Had a nice little thing going with Midnight Bourbon, who was also in the Kentucky Derby. Love and Midnight Bourbon. tired out. And let my guy Rombauer come in and down the stretch just take over, which a lot of guys predicted online. They said Rombauer is a good closer. Wow. So I liked him as a long shot. So it does pay off to watch those YouTube videos. (laughs) So, Jim, you didn't end up betting anything. No, I did not bet on the practice. I feel very disappointed in myself for not betting anything. But I was helping a friend of the garage move. I got hopped up on a bunch of cheap margaritas and good tacos, and it was a good time regardless. I I feel like I spent my money more wisely than pouring it all on Medina Spirit. So yeah, I'm going to take, take this as a W, um, that, but I wish I would have been more degenerate. You know, Medina, yeah. and that was the thing, though. Like I was just like, wow, you might as well just put your money on Medina. That's what everybody's kind of saying. To make up like, for it. To make up for it, I am putting a lot of money in both the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs. So awesome! Well, uh, we'll cover I, I like, those in I'm a little bit. A bet yesterday, I'm very proud of myself. Bruins in the over. I love parlaying uh, NHL hockey with an over under and a money line. Mm-hmm. Great odds. You're getting like four to one to your money. All right. So since we're talking about hockey, Maddie, what what's the storylines in this playoffs? What what should people be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, it's 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 just started. So the, the difference between the NBA and the NHL is that all seeds go out the window for the most part for the NHL playoffs. Uh, the seeds are not that as important. You know, the NBA, you're not going to see an eight or a seven seed make the finals. The NHL, you will. Right. And, and the teams are so evenly matched. Like the Penguins – I think are the number one seed and the Islanders are like the sixth seed. The Islanders won the first game. There's no difference between them. It's, it's 50, 50, all these series pretty much. Yeah. Except the one team that has the most explosive uh, team are the lightning, but defensively they looked a little weak the first game, but for the most part, a lot of these teams are very even. Yeah. That's crazy. Jim, are you, so what are you, how are you betting? right now in nhl i'm trying to keep my my general go-to with most nhl bets as i usually do over unders Mm -hmm. i've kind of been keeping that going i like the penguins today um just straight up yeah i just i kind of go with my gut a little bit but over unders is where i get my bread and butter playoff hockey is a little bit of a different beast i kind of start going in the money line a little bit and then also it's really fun to like see the series prices um, how you could get some of these underdogs at like really good prices. I'm just, it's 
Stanley playoffs is one of my favorite postseasons in all of sports. Oh, it's great. I'm so happy to watch it. I'm yeah. so, I'm so excited. I really want a um an avalanche golden Knights matchup in the second round. Well, here's the other thing too. This is why the NHL playoffs are great. So far we've had, I'm starting Saturday was the first uh, playoff game. One overtime game, mm-hmm. two, three overtime games, one goal game. So, and then Monday we had, so about in, in six, in about eight games, we've had four of them at overtime and then one, one goal game. So these are all like fun, exciting, sudden death games. And uh, I do like Pittsburgh today because, you're taking it that they lost their first game at home. They got the second game. Usually when a team gets beat the first game at home, they usually come back big the second game. Sure. That kind of goes for the NBA as well. When you see yeah. a, a higher seed get knocked off in the first game, the second game, they usually blow them out because the team's kind of looking to steal one game and then they kind of rest a little. Sure. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, the other big story of the week, the NFL schedule was released. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, a lot of different storylines in there. Jim, what do, you, what do you think of some of the uh, early takeaways from the schedule uh, being released? What, what should uh, people be looking out for next year? I will. I'm kind of um, on my other podcast, the gymnasium, my solo one. I broke down week one of NFL action. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really fun matchups. I, I, I'm, what, what I'm most excited for for the season in general is the kind of um, revenge game factor you see for a lot of games. Like you have Tampa sure. Bay versus New England you yeah. versus the Jets pretty early on. Um, I just love shit like that. What's you know the, what, uh, go ahead, Manny. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say, but I always look at the first week of the season. You know, I'm a big survivor guy. I get in about two or three survival leagues. You guys don't know what that means. It means you pick a, a team to win each week and then once you pick them you can't pick them again and once your team loses you're out right and the, there's a pot so everybody puts in a certain amount of this pot so now i'm looking at, at they're week so one fun. they're so fun i'm sitting here and i'm like well i can't find a game that i'm like this is a guaranteed win by a certain team like I, i'm looking at it right now i'm like well that's win that's where i'm gonna go that's obvious i mean obviously with kansas city but Cleveland's a tough team. There's not a game where I'm like, wow, that's a guaranteed win as I'm sitting here. You know who is picking a guaranteed win? Who's that? Jalen Ramsey. Well, that's a possibility. On on Instagram, he said, I can't wait till week one so all these lame-ass Bear fans can shut the fuck up about their number two receiver. Talking about uh, Darnell Moody, I believe. Mooney? Are they they really talking about like Moody? Because like, Allen Robinson's the guy there. Right. But yeah. I don't know why there's, I think there's been some sort of uh weird uh, insta uh, like memes going around for some reason about Darnell Moody, Mooney owning uh, Jalen Ramsey. That's um, a little silly. Uh, you know who I like <laughs> in the survivor pool week one is I actually like the Jags. I think, I on think the road on the road, dude, the Texans are going to be, Dog They're going to be shit. dog shit, but who knows if, you know, Jacksonville is going to be good the, the first week of the season. I, the other interesting uh, game is uh, the Jets are at Carolina. Sam Darnold gets traded and already plays the team that gave up on him. I love that. I love that about that's 
That's probably it's, that might be my favorite matchup in week one. That might it's be almost like they one. made that for the for the to make the season more interesting or week one more interesting. Yeah, it's insanely and then we start out in Tampa Bay Thursday night, where they of course they put the Cowboys, which the Cowboys are always overvalued. They sucked last year. Even with uh, their quarterback who got hurt, they sucked. Right, why does the name uh, Dak Prescott? Yeah. yeah, they weren't that good. They were what one, four, two, and four with him, and the it wasn't offense, his fault. The offense was good. That defense, yeah, it wasn't was his fault. But it, they're, they're not a good team, and it's like, ooh, Dallas. Dallas, it, it, they ain't what they used to be, man. They just not. Yes, they're they still have a big, uh, you know, national fan base, but. Tampa Bay is going to roll them pretty easily. I'm yeah, I so Brady says they should no longer be called America's team. Well, I disagree there. It's very interesting. So if the Cowboys are no longer America's team, who would we put forward as America's team? Who's the I next like most beloved I, team? I'd go with the Packers just because there's this like uh tradition of like, you know, this tiny little town with a big stadium and like the stadiums in a neighborhood and it's like they have the people make pies for the players and shit that I, I guess I'd go there. They have such a national fan base. I and they're good right now. Off of my gut, like after the Cowboys, the Packers seem to have the most national fan base. In my opinion, I don't, I don't yeah. know this for a fact. It just feels that way. And they also have this like beautiful stadium. that's like in a, in like a neighborhood with people. And you park your cars on people's lawns and stuff like that without it's got, permission. It's got kind of like a college atmosphere. Yeah. So I go with Green Bay, but I'm I, I Dallas, even though they're not going to be a good team, I don't like their coach at all. They're still America's team. Yeah. Just well, we'll opinion. see. Now, when uh, Brady's set to play the Patriots, yeah, week four, is this going to be as big as people think it's going to be, or is it going to yeah. be kind of a hum? It, I think the Patriots Absolutely. could be pretty good this year. I think I think the Patriots could be – I would watch out for them. That defense is going to be good. And I think even if they start Cam, um, he was Cam Newton was not looking bad. He was looking good up until he got COVID. And then after that, just never got back to that level. I think the Patriots could be a dangerous team. It will be a very good team. They'll be much more improved. Their defense will be back. They've put some weapons on offense. You know, it does come down to the quarterbacks. And, you know, I, I would imagine Cam starts the season. And then I, I would imagine he's got a short hook, though. And he knows that. Like, he's got a guy breathing down his neck now. So, you almost have to perform yeah, in those situations. So, uh, yeah, that would be a great game. And, and, of course, be a lot of tears and I think it'll be probably the highest rated regular season NFL game of all time. Who do you think will cry the most? Mm, I couldn't tell you. Maybe Brady. He's very emotional. They'll that show Julian Edelman on the sideline and he'll be crying. Yeah, Julian the whole time. will probably cry, yeah. Do you I, I, I have a feeling the Bucks are just gonna pick him up. Do you think that's gonna well happen? he I think he's retired and you think he's, he's done done? Up. Yeah. Yeah dude he's like his his body is just Done. It's shot. Yeah. Okay. This is not a thing like to get out of the Patriots. Right. He would, like he'd I feel be like a, he would have stayed on the Patriots like forever. Yeah. Yeah. That's they fair. didn't want to lose him to Tampa Bay either because it's embarrassing. Because 
You know, it's like you 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 gave up Brady and then he won the Super Bowl and you, you gave up Gronk and he helped out big time. So it's like, how many more guys are you going to let go to New England South and Tampa Bay? Yeah, it does. It looks weird when when you know Gronk chooses Brady over New England. Yeah. Uh, so I I don't know. You think uh, you think these guys are going to be zoned in? I mean, like, or is it? Just, I kind of feel like. Belichick, I don't know. I, I feel like he also doesn't care about this shit. Like he's just going to put out there who he wants and see to see what he wants to see. You know? No, he definitely cares. Trust <laughs> me. He pretends like he doesn't care, but he fucking cares. Oh, that's yeah, he gonna... cares about his legacy. He cares about what people think. He cares about what Brady's doing as Brady cares about what the Pat's doing. And they all pretend. It's like you break up with somebody and then you go, oh, I don't care what the other person is doing. But you fucking care. You're sure. checking that Instagram 7,000 times a day. Yeah. You're rooting against their ex or their new, their new guy or their new girl. And you're saying, I'm better than that person. So they fucking care. <laughs> well, we'll see. It's cool because Brady uh, told the press this week that he didn't even learn Bruce Arians' historically difficult playbook until the middle of the season, until like week 10. And his stats from week 10 on were, like, on pace to get, like, 6,000 yards almost or something. Well, that's yeah, what, they were, saying. That's what yeah. they were saying that before Brady. Like, it usually takes about one – like, a full year or two to, like, get Bruce Arians' offense down. So yeah. Kind of people were, like, even before they traded Jameis, they were just, like, expect Jameis Winston to have, like, a breakout year, like, this year. Right. Was- because well, he would have finally had the offense. I'm I'm hoping he does. I'm I'm rooting for Jameis on the Saints. I'm rooting because he's yeah. he's just exciting football. Is he expected week one starter? He might not win the job. That's the craziest part about this. God, if they've got such a higher upside. Taysom Hill fucking flip. is like the guy that you kind of know what he is, but you know, like there's a there's a there's like a ceiling for his floor. So it's like he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He'll do some nice plays with his feet. He'll make a nice throw here and there. But you're basically depending on defense and then him not making mistakes. Whereas Jameis does have potential to, to be a gunslinger and to put up big numbers and move the ball. Yeah, I kind of feel like everybody sort of low, like everybody likes him. Like they like his personality and they're kind of rooting yep. for him. Well, Drew Brees even said he saw him on the sidelines after, uh, like, the last few minutes of the playoff game. He said to him, "Is like, it's your team now. And I'm like, God, this would be so embarrassing if you didn't win the fucking job. To me, it's just his insane potential still. Like, out of all the quarterbacks I can think of, his ceiling is so fucking high. For where people are, like, putting him, he could be one of, like, he could, like, if he plays – as good as I think he could play, he he can be an all time great. Like the, the problem with him is his brain is a little too fast for quarterback. Where you know, good quarterbacks slow everything down and feel composed. He's got this anxiety to make things happen, and that gets him in trouble. And you're just like, you want to just slow your brain down a little and let things come. You'll be great. But as a degenerate, how can you not love him? He just like throws it up there. He's gambling like every game he goes. Well, out. He's, he's great for the him. over. Him oh, he's Kirk Cousins the over. great for the over. Because Kirk Cousins will give you some big plays and he'll also give the defense some big plays. So you're going to get that pick six, but you're going to get a few touchdown passes. 
and that makes for an, an over. And and Winston, he's the only thirty for thirty guy ever. Thirty TDs, thirty picks, and uh, it's like he's still a number one pick potential that you have. Yeah, yeah. it's it's going to be interesting. Like him and Darnold both are sort of like what we you know we saw what they could do in college and have not quite yet seen it in the pros but you know if you're working yeah. at it you could always mature so well the one thing darnold the one difference is winston did have weapons he did uh you know have a year with arians who's a very good offensive coach even though the, the playbook is complex mm-hmm. you know sam darnold the the case for him is like he never got a shot like he just didn't have the right coaching he had Adam Gase, who's going to go down as one of the worst Jets coaches of all time. Yeah. So it's like, well, we can't really judge him. We don't really know what we have. We kind of know what Winston is. And it's up to, like, a guy like, hopefully, Sean Payton to to reduce those turnovers. Yeah. Have you guys heard about him being a student under Breeze? Do we know how – how like how tight they were and how much tutelage Breeze was actually giving I, I him? couldn't answer that, but I do feel like it was a weird move that when Breeze got hurt, they gave the job to Taysom Hill. And I was like, wow, this doesn't say much for, for Winston. I think right. that says more that Sean Payton just really – Sean Payton to me is a similar thing with like Urban Meyer and Tim Tebow. Sean Payton just loves Taysom Hill to a weird extent and tries yeah. to get him to work even when he's not needed. And again, Taysom Hill is he's gonna do what he does, where it's like he's gonna make some nice little plays here and there. He probably won't turn the ball over much, but he's not gonna make some big flashy plays that really moves the ball that makes you like a, an offensive juggernaut, which they still can be. I mean, Kamara is one of the best running backs, and the jury's out with Michael Thomas. I think a lot of success is because of Drew Brees, mm-hmm. but they're receiving at court after that's not bad. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, Peyton gives him the reins so we could see what he can do. I don't, I would much rather see him than Taysom Hill out there. Uh, but who knows? I think most people would because they know what they're getting with Taysom Hill. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Any other, uh, any other uh, storylines from the NFL schedule? Release? Well, there's one extra game. Which oh, that's right. Yeah, first year with that. We get an extra week of fantasy. We get an extra uh, week of daily fantasy. We get an extra week of NFL. I mean, you can't beat that. It probably sucks for the players. But, hey, we're getting another week. Did they – The extra playoff team, too. Did they they take away any uh, exhibition games? I think – hold on. I just had the schedule pulled up. Let me take a look. They should. Those are pretty useless. Do you guys bet on exhibition games? The Never. preseason games? Like <laughs> I bet the, I bet on the under. So we got I the like hammer the under weekend. in preseason games. Oh no shit. <laughs> we got we got the Hall of Fame weekend, which is only one game, and then yeah. only three weeks this year. So I'd imagine they'll have one game as a dress rehearsal, and then the last game will be the all the guys trying to make a team or put stuff on tape and stuff like that. You know what? I guess, you know, back to Jalen Ramsey, I'm definitely looking forward to the Rams uh, versus Bears. Uh, Stafford's well, debut. Well, that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, we're gonna possibly find Fields' out. debut as well. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Uh, what, what do you guys – you guys think uh, Stafford can put them over the top? 
I think um, so. Like, I think I think Sean McVay's offense is pretty plug and play. Like, he does yeah. a really good job of making it easy for the quarterback. And I think Stafford is just he's flat out better than yeah. Jared Goff. And we've seen like he made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and <laughs> Matt Stafford's right. like better in every way that I can think of to Jared Goff. Absolutely. Well, I don't see, yeah. I don't see, see why mistakes be at the end of the game. Matt Stafford always makes mistakes. We'll see if he cuts those out. I mean, granted, he was, you know, Detroit's a hard place to win. So, yeah, he is a lot better than Goff. Goff got worse and worse. After the Super Bowl, Jared Goff, like, just lost his confidence completely. Never was the guy, same guy after that Super Bowl. Yeah, God, that yeah. stunk. Um, but a lot of people look bad when they're playing Belichick. So, you know, it's too bad. There's, um, a, there's a lot of week one matchups that I'm very excited for. Like the right? Bears Rams the- is a good one. Dolphins Patriots, I think is going to be super fun. Uh, Packers Vikings, like, Bengals. Yeah. Vikings Bengals Steelers bills. Like, I mean, shit. Seattle Colts. I mean, they're all good. The games are all really, really like, I couldn't tell you like, yeah, that's a win. Right. I- uh, I 49ers, mean, 49ers Lions, the 49ers are winning that game. <laughs> I mean, the interesting thing is the four o'clock games, the Packers versus the Saints and the Broncos versus the Giants. For all we know, there could be two new quarterbacks playing for the Packers and the Saints, and then the Broncos could have Aaron Rodgers versus the Giants, and that will change everything. What is the over-under uh, Aaron Rodgers is suiting up for a different team in the first week? I don't know right if you now. can bet on it, but I'm I'm thinking he's gone. I don't think there's any way to repair this. And I don't just because he didn't show up to uh to the whatever it's called. I bet he's I bet he's still there. You think he's I, at training camp right now? I don't know if he's at training oh, camp right now, but I think he starts week one. Okay. I mean they did get Blake Bortles. I mean Bortles is a is a is a big time quarterback. That's right. Aaron Rodgers right now for who will start week one for the Broncos is plus 150. I'd put money on that. I think there's going to be a deal on June 1st. Wow. Both both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are plus 135. That is a wild thing. Well, I guess the, the Packers, they'll want a quarterback, though, and I don't think any of those will add to them. I think the 49ers could send Garoppolo, Garoppolo. and yeah. Trey Lance over there, and that would really fit. well they already said the 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 um shanahan said that he called the 49ers and are the packers they're like no nothing's happening where will so aaron Rodgers said- play for game one of the 2021 regular season uh green bay packers are minus 210 favorites okay i think it's a bad look though he's not showing up to uh these uh these uh workouts but I, I don't know I'm, how like has he shown up in previous years? I don't I don't remember. I'm sure he has. Most of the guys do. I mean, for Probably the most either. part, Brady does. Brady's hurt though. If he but for the most part, most of the guys do. I think his state farm commercials come first. So he is it. 10 to 1 to win the MVP still. No matter where. Same, That's yeah. A- same odds as Josh Allen that I'm seeing. Wow. Interesting. And what, what, is what are the rest of that list? So you got Pat Mahomes at four plus four fifty, mm-hmm. both Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers ten to one. Weird, weird one here. Dak Prescott fourteen to one. Tied he is with, so overrated, super wow. overrated. Tied with Matthew Stafford at fourteen to one. Yeah, I huh. like I like Dak Prescott, but 
the way they value him is ridiculous. Also tied with Tom Brady at 14 to one. Oh. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 17 to one. Uh, Justin Herbert, 18 to one. Kyler Murray, 18 to one. Russell Wilson, 18 to one. Then you get like Baker Mayfield is 30 to one. And that's is there a running back in there. Um, McCaffrey at 50 to one. And then Henry at 50 to one. What do you think is the best value out of all that? I'd go with a 10 to one in Josh Allen. If he does Josh Allen to here. me. And then like, I wouldn't mind throwing. I'd like it to be more like closer to 20 to one, but Justin Herbert's not a bad pick. No, he's great. He's got a cannon for an arm. And he, he just kind of picked it up really fast. And then I have an insane bias, but I might throw like a couple shekels on Mayfield at 30 to one. I'll, you don't think uh, Brady Allen. would be good at uh, fourteen to one? I don't the think the problem he's... with Brady is that he's gonna have so many blowouts that he's gonna be handing the ball off in the second half. Okay, I think yeah, the defense sense. is gonna carry them in a lot of games. I agree. So with that. when the defense carries him, he uh-huh. kind of shuts it down. You know, he's sure. not that big of a stat pattern. Where Josh Allen, they're gonna have no running game once again. He's gonna be throwing the ball all the time. Yeah. So, and he's like their best running back. So I, I would throw on 10 to one on him. That's great odds for Josh Allen. Also considering he was like third last year or second last year. Hell yeah. of a season. And he keeps oh. getting better. Yeah, no, it's exciting to see what uh, some of these younger guys are going to, you know, move up next yeah. year. Okay, guys, it's time oh. for the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I NBA think today. Yeah, the playing games. They're going uh, on right now. What are these play playing games? It's first year. XFL Jim's got to explain that one. Man, I had someone explain to me. So they did. Play, <laughs> they did. They did play in games for the bubble last year. They had. Oh, like, they, oh that's right. I think they did. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're doing like a weird thing. So like the seven and the eight are playing tonight. This is so, a winner take all game. So no. like so no 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 you have a double elimination sort of thing. So okay. Yeah. The 7 and the 8 play. The winner of that game is in. Okay. The loser of that game plays the winner of the 9-10 game. Oh, and they're including it, the 9 and 10 seeds. If you're too. a 7 yes. or 8 seed, you got to lose twice to You have be to lose twice. Yes. Okay. If you're 9, nine and 10, you have to lose once. once. You have to you have to win twice. So like 7 and 8 are playing. Winner of that game is in. Loser of that game plays the winner of the 9-10 game. Um, the winner of the 9-10 game plays the loser of the 7-8 game. The winner of that game is now also in the playoffs. You have the potential for a seven for the, the seven team to not make the playoffs. As yeah, that's where the Lakers right are at now, right now. Yeah. The Pacers are beating the Hornets by 30 points. Yeah, they're beating the shit out of them right now. So I don't really think the Hornets deserve to even make the playing game. No. I don't know, man. I mean, a, they're 33 and 39 for the year, and they're losing by 30 points. It's hard to predict because they had so many weird injuries to end there. Like LaMelo Ball, if he was like fully healthy, would probably be yeah. this a game. It's yeah, like, that's, that's another, a another thing I kind of discussed with the guy I talked with about is um NBA's got like a lot of weird injury stuff going on right now. Like the Lakers sure. mm-hmm. don't know like if LeBron's gonna be fully healthy for this playoffs at all. Uh, just every team seems to have like weird injuries going on. I wonder if it's like a product of um the short off season because of the, but just going straight from the bubble to this, it's, it's, it's a weird year. The other cool thing, in my opinion, for the NBA playoffs is this is as wide open as I can remember it being. 
I, I can't think of like one team that is so far ahead of every other team. That's going to be like, like the nets could lose easily. Yeah. In one of these games. And then like on the, in the West, the Lakers and the Clippers could lose to any of these teams pretty easily. Sure. I mean, do we like the Suns are still quite a young team and they ascended quite fast this year. Yeah. And they're red hot too. don't quite know what to make of them, whether, whether they'll buckle in the playoffs or not. Well, Chris Paul, great regular season player. Great. Makes the team that much better. Oh yeah. For some reason. I don't know. In the playoffs, never has been able to get over that hump. So you got to worry about that a little but he's got a lot of young players around him, and Devin Booker is a superstar. Absolutely, yeah. But I would still go with the more experienced teams, you know, deeper yeah. in the playoffs. I also sure. – I love the potential for a uh, a Wizards-Nets matchup in the first round if the Wizards get the play-in game. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, because they're playing in right now. They're playing the Celtics uh, tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um. And the potential for a Wizards Nets matchup just seems super fun. You get Westbrook versus uh, I think Durant that game and tonight. Harden. Is, are they playing tonight? Yeah, it starts at uh, forty-five minutes. 55. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I'm I'm so excited. I want I want the I want the Wizards to win. I want the Wizards versus the Nets. I want it so the bad. Celtics are favored by two. They're five hundred versus the Wizards are four under. Are I the think Nets? the Celtics are giving up. I think they're done on the year. They have enough picks for whatever. And I think and the they Celtics also have some injuries too. Do you think that exactly. this is it for Brad Stevens if yeah. they don't make yeah. these playoffs here? Yes. Which will be a shame because they're going to go way down when they lose him. Yeah. But a guy like that, you know, Larry Bird said it best about coaching in the NBA. He quit after five years mm-hmm. and he was pretty, he, I think he quit the year they made it to the finals. Yeah. I go, why quit? And he said, well, after five years, they zone you out. So it's you might as well quit. Mm. And I think with Brad Stevens, it's just like a time where they just kind of, you know, zoned them out a little and they're not buying into a system as much. And you've seen the lack of production and, you know, they'll, they'll go down to being a bad team again when he leaves. And there's a, I think the Indiana job is open in the in uh, college which would be a perfect spot for him. No, they just filled it this year. Uh, no, they hired a guy already. Okay. Uh, I forgot the guy's name, but. Um, uh, but I think say? he'll be, I think they'll, they'll part ways. You think he's going to go back to college? He's, he's had success in the pros, but nobody can quite tell whether how good he can work with stars. He seems to be able to make something out of nothing. But yeah, then I mean, the, can the, he get to that next tier? It is interesting that his best, years where he got the most out of isaiah thomas yeah not the legend but the other isaiah thomas right and uh scary terry rosier those were his two best uh years coaching the celtics and with kyrie irving you know they had a bad run and and this year they're not having a great run mm-hmm. and uh it, it's really weird to because usually stars make the nba team but I don't know. He gets the best out of uh, role players. Oh, what do you guys think of the Sixers? Uh, is this going to be the year they actually advance the finals? Or well, they are... should. But my main t- – I think there's like three teams in the East that are like all about it. now. It's the yep. Bucks, the Sixers, and, and the, the Nets. And the Nets. Yeah. Like any team 
whichever two of these three don't make the finals, it's a disappointing season. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's pretty it's nuts. Total bust. I, which, which sucks. Cause I think the Sixers, this might be their potential for one of their deeper runs yet. Like, any one yeah. of these three could make the finals easy, in my opinion. What's the difference with the Sixers this year as opposed to years past? I think it's Joel being able to, like, stay healthy for the most part. And he probably he took the next step. Yeah. Like, he is a flat-out superstar that can rebound and shoot from anywhere. And it just keeps getting better and better. Where I think yeah. with the freak – not a great outside shooter, doesn't have a lot of help. They kind of get exposed in the playoffs. And you just don't know how motivated the Nets are going to be or how much they've gelled. You know, we know they can beat the bad teams, but are those guys going to be prepared to play for each other? You know, you got three big-time superstars that you don't know how much they want to play for each other or how much chemistry they have with each other. Whereas I think the Sixers have the best chemistry because for the most part, they've mm-hmm. been around the longest. Yeah. With their nucleus. No, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, and I, I think it helps having uh, Doc Rivers there too. I think it well, helps. He's not the greatest playoff coach, but, you know, he's due. At least he's a guy he's that due. they can respect because he's been to the they promised can respect land. You know? Absolutely respect him. I agree there. I mean, you got to respect the guy with that raspy of a voice, right? It's the law. Yeah, and he, 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 you know, they do respect him. He's very respected, that is for sure. But I felt like he, he underachieved with the Clippers. And even with the Celtics having all that talent to only have one championship, I don't know. But I like the Sixers. If, we, if I had to pick an NBA Finals, I would say the Sixers versus I'm gonna go the top two seeds, Sixers in the in the Utah Jazz. Oh, my favorite, my favorite co-coach, Quinn Snyder, who looks <laughs> like a, a guy in an '80s movie. I think yeah. a crazy finals that would be like maybe one of the most watched finals in like recent history might be like the Lakers versus the Nets would be and, insane. That's the thing you can never count the Lakers out. You can't like healthy. E- yeah. They're they're by far the best team if they're healthy. Like if LeBron, if LeBron and AD are both healthy, this team is super dangerous. My only other stipulation is this team hasn't like played together as a no. full unit very much. <laughs> yeah, and that was like the the doom of the Clippers last year. They had that all star roster and none of them played together uh, hardly ever during the regular season. And then they got fucking punked in the uh, in the playoffs. Well, they had it. They're up three games to one, and then boom. Yeah. I'm surprised the Nuggets have actually done as well as they have with the Jamal Murray. Dude, Jokic is killing it right now. Jokic's killing it. Michael Porter Jr. stepping up his game. You know, he was a gamble lottery pick. He didn't really play in college due to a bad back, uh, which is kind of a huge red flag. So they took a a flyer on him, and uh, it's paying off. And I think – I don't know where they'll go this year, but next year with a healthy – Jamal Murray, if you know, the I think that could be the team to beat next year for sure. Sky's the limit. I'm I'm super excited for a potential um Blazers Nuggets matchup. That yeah. to me would be fun as hell. <laughs> well, they've had some uh good series. I think oh. I was in uh Vegas a few years ago. They had a good game seven series. What was it two years ago? 
dude, they've had incredible games this year. They had one that was like a two point win in overtime. Um, God, there's so much. They had one that was like barely a win. It there, I can I can look it up right now. Let me look it up real quick. But they're they're they've had like incredible games this entire year, and I just I can't wait. I want it so bad. These teams. You look, want what? What do you want so bad? I want Needs to it. see the Blazers versus the Nuggets. I think it's going to be one of the most fun games on the fucking planet. I'm I'm rooting for the Jazz. I don't know why I'm rooting for the Jazz. Well, that Jazz. I love uh, Gobert. I love Mitchell. I love their coach. Uh, I just like the way they play, and they, it's always like I love Joe Ingles. Yeah, and it just yeah. seems like they play so well, but they're never good enough. But this year might be the year they're more, they're talented enough to get through. But the West is always loaded. The West is always loaded. We yeah, it's weird seven. that you know we live in an era where the top three teams in the West are Utah, Phoenix, and Denver. Yeah, they're all very good. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. These are different times for sure, man. Yeah. It's, well, the um, Lakers would be there without the injuries. So it's true. just like you got to worry about it. They're I coming, mean, Le- they're LeBron kind of knows load awesome. management too. He's just concerned ma- oh, mainly he's all about load getting, getting into the playoffs and yep. uh, take it from there. Yeah. I mean, he yeah, really, you really don't want to play too. No. Like the Utah Jazz, it would be awful to have to play them the first round. Yeah, it's, we'll be keeping an eye on things the next few days to see how this shakes out because that's uh, a reality. We'd much rather play the other playing team. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we'll see. Otherwise, it's the Suns that'll get them. But we'll see. That's rough for the Suns. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> that's real rough for the Suns. <laughs> but here's the way you look at it. You're going to have to beat the Lakers one way or the other, so you might as well do it first, but you're catching them when they're as fresh, they're more fresh than they are. Than they, oh yeah, that could, that could be good or bad. Like you don't, yeah. I think yeah. the the only the most like the potential matchups I'm looking forward to the most are probably Blazers versus um, Nuggets and then Wizards versus Nets. I really want Wizards versus Nets. I want it so bad. <laughs> Well, hopefully you'll get it, and we'll find out soon so enough. Like, whether the Wizards and Nets have played three times this season. You want to know the scores for these games? Yes. Yeah. The Wizards versus Nets, January third, one twenty-three to one twenty-two. The Wizards win. Yeah. January thirty-first in regulation, Washington Wizards win one forty-nine to one forty-six in regulation. Jesus, take the over on that one. And then like, they played in they played March 21st. The Nets won 113 to 106. These have been like classic games each time. Yeah, these are 1980s scores. That is uh, yep. fucking crazy. Yeah, well, it, hopefully you'll get your wish. We do have games that are def- they're already confirmed. So Miami at Milwaukee. That'll be Dallas fun. at Clippers and Portland I, at Denver. I think Milwaukee gets their revenge here. Don't you want didn't you just say you want Portland at Denver? I want Portland and Denver, and I'm very well, happy it's that happening. it's happening. You I got, know. That's got, why I'm super happy. You got to wait till March 22nd, though. You mean May Will you be able to wait? Will you be able to wait for Saturday? I can wait till Saturday. I've Are got hockey sure? to keep me to keep me occupied in the meantime. 
and there's no more FCS because that's over. That's right. Yeah, Jim. What the fuck happened this weekend in the FCS? Motherfucking Sam Houston State, the biggest horseshoe of any horseshoe that's been lodged up a team's asshole. This team gets luckier than shit every single this, this was the team of destiny. Oh my god. So they, their luck did not run out. No, it did not. No, it fucking did not. South what? Dakota State, in my opinion, is the better team. They have quarterback injury pretty early on in the game. Fucking sucks. It was a good game, though. Yeah. I saw that run that kid had for yeah. uh, South Dakota State, at an 85-yard run. It was a yep. beautiful run. It was a good game. It was a nice, close game. I didn't put money on it because I forgot about it, but I was about to – I was like, look, South Dakota is obviously the better team. You go into better team. This other team's run is going to finally end. Their Cinderella run's going to end, and they made it. They did it. They got. They went through the whole fucking thing. They were. They did not look like the better team in both this game and when they played JMU last week. But holy shit, if this team can't just keep winning. And to be fair, they were like they were number one seed. Oh, I think they were number two seed. They're number like they're one of those top two seeds. Like this is the one and the two seed playing each other, but. My my look back at the playoffs is I was very happy to see a full playoff in action with college football to see like amazing games that you just how don't many get teams with were in the tournament was there sixteen sixteen in this t- so usually they do twenty four so do you think a sixteen or twenty four would be great for college football my 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 goal would be thirty two um, oh that'd be amazing. almost March Madness that's a pipe that's dream so good. That's a pipe dream. You get, but you get I the think, University of Michigan at number thirty-two. I think sixteen. Oh, fuck yourself, Maddie. I think sixteen is Sorry. doable. Um, go for sixty-four. <laughs> Let's get like, like all Miss in it. And I just, like I want like Rutgers. A, I want an equal percentage. So like, you see, the NFL does like a good percentage of the teams that make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, FCS has like a a nice percentage of the teams that make the playoffs that you're just like, oh yeah, the teams that make it deserve to make it. Um, FBS, it's like 1% or 2% of all teams can make the playoffs. It's pretty bullshit. Yeah. So I know about 180 Division One schools, so then 16 would be about. There are – so out of FBS football, there are – one. there's about like 136 – there's like around 134 teams. 16 would be perfect. I mean, almost every conference, major conference, has a – has a championship game. It would be so yeah. easy just to take that winner As and number one seed. take all the winners and just fucking have them go at it. Yeah, uh, and, and you wouldn't and really I, be adding a ton more games, maybe two or three more games total, depending on how far you advance. If you play, if yeah, if you play in the national championship nowadays, you're playing 15 games anyway. Yeah. Like I'm all for it. I don't know why they don't do it. They can make a lot more money. The kids I know would probably love to do it. It even it makes the postseason matter, and in college football, the postseason doesn't matter unless you're in the playoffs. Not to mention that the NFL is starting their season later and later, and mm-hmm. ending it later and later. Like you start early September, some of those Saturdays will still be open. You know, yeah. where you're not in, interfering with with NFL playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I think they just t- and take away. You know what you can do too is still take away an early uh, non-conference game, get rid of that, and then just tack that on at the end as part of a playoff. Just and if you don't like make the playoff, games. you can play in a weird 
bowl game type situation. You, you know? just have like, two out of conference games instead of the usual three that a lot of teams do. Yeah. Or if you're the SC, SEC or ACC, you do like four. Right. Um, and then just like make an extra postseason game out of it. Yeah, for sure. It'd be amazing. I don't know why they don't do it. I mean, just at least eight. Come on, give us eight. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know, you got to find a sweet spot where you're, you know, you're playing not too many more games and you're doing it in a way so there's just no bitching at the end. Uh, because well, it is, always will be bitching. I mean, I guess well, so. But after a certain amount of teams are entered, it's like, well, if you weren't like a consensus top eight. Yeah, top I can I can team. deal. I can deal with 16. Like I would love 32. That's like a that's a pipe dream I have. Yeah. But 16, I'm just be like, well, the 17 team, you could be like, they could maybe argue, blah, blah, blah. blah. I, I, overall, I'd be like, you know what? Probably, probably, if, you're probably if, seated right. <laughs> if you have 18, yeah. the number nine team is going to complain, of course. If you have 16, the 17 team is going to complain. You're well, always going to sure. have, I yeah. want more fucking games. <laughs> I want less shitty bowl games. I don't need to see the Popeye's ball in uh, whatever country, Costa Rica. I'd rather see that be a playoff game. Oh, it can be. I mean, you can still sort of keep the bowl tradition. You just infuse them with the playoffs. It's, you know, they've been doing that for the most part, you know, even I've for been a, on a these small playoff field. Pretty much most of them. And, and some of these games have no crowds. You also don't know what team the lat right before you bet or after you bet you find out they're sitting some guy because he wants to go to the NFL he doesn't want to get hurt yeah you're like ah so Lisa the with the this will be like eight or sixteen teams going full force and like if you're a college player and you sit those out for the draft shame on you well you know what you know something Maddie you know who's not sitting out you know who's not afraid to get hurt. Who's that? Nick Gage. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice segue. Yes. It's time to cover Dark Side of the Ring once again. Yes. Uh, this week it was focused on extreme deathmatch wrestler Nick Gage, mm-hmm. uh, who many people know from his appearances as a in a field in Delaware and uh, in weird promotions that are not common to uh, even the death match has more teams than the college football. That's right. <laughs> the death the match, death, is, yeah. The death match tournament has more competitors, much more fair than the uh NCAA playoffs. Uh, Maddie, you want to take us uh through this dark side of the ring episode a little bit here? Sure. I uh, first off, I gotta be honest, I, mean, I love DCW, ECW was my shit. I went to some of the best, one of the best times I've ever seen wrestling live, mm-hmm. I think was maybe 96 or 97, seeing ECW in yeah. Middletown, New York, in some gym somewhere where it was the most insanity of insanities that I ever went. There was no security. People were throwing chairs in the ring. Yeah. The things that were being cursed were hysterical and ungodly and I was literally three rows away from the carnage of Sabu coming near me. And it was Balls Mahoney first match. And I remember the crowd chanting, who the fuck are you? And, you know, you, it's just amazing. It was like 
the the worst of the worst of society in the in the crowd. It, it, I I fit in as a, as a freak. Now, trying to watch this death match, I it's too violent. I know that sounds crazy for me being a big ECW fan, but it was just I watched it with my eyes closed because I just can't see a guy bleeding so much from his arm that he's gonna die. Are like going through glass and light bulbs and shit and. It was yeah. a very, I, I'm a documentarian fan, so I like, as far as the documentary, it was great. And his girlfriend was absolutely chilling because she was obviously on some serious substances. <laughs> and then I listened to Jim Cornette, who I really like. And I don't want to be completely, uh, you know, influenced by him because some things I agree with him, some things I don't. And he refused to watch it because he's like, Deathmatch is a black guy for the sport of wrestling. It's stupid. The guy's nothing but a junkie criminal. I'm not going to support that. I'm not going to go there, but it was hard to watch. And I feel terrible for anybody who makes a living doing that. Jim, I feel you've got probably a different opinion. (laughs) I'm the big pussy here. I'll be the pussy. (laughs) I got respect. I got mad respect. It's, you're living life. Those kinds of wrestlers that are just that extreme and that violent, it's it's kind of hard to like see it when they kind of take it out of the ring a little. It's it's it becomes sort of a lifestyle. I can understand that a lot. The garage is a lifestyle that's pretty intense for some people. They can't yeah. keep up. Um, it can kind of get away from me from time to time as well. Sure. But holy shit, dude! These guys were just living fast. I, I I don't want to like they're just living faster than the speed of fucking light. They're yeah. they're going hard on every aspect of life, like their profession, wrestling, going hard, uh, drugs, hard, crime, yeah. hard, everything they do, hard. These are hard uh, dudes. I, yeah, as coming from somebody who has had problems with painkillers, prescription stuff, it's rough. That shit'll fuck you up. Oh yeah. Well, what the, yeah, what yeah. the philosophy is this is you pop one until you feel okay. So yeah. it's like you keep popping them and popping them. So if you, Dude, need- I did it in high school. I was, I was, that was me yeah. in high school. Like, I would yeah. be sore for fucking football, and I'd be like, "Well, I'm just sure. gonna have these pills before a game until I stop feeling hurt." What and, pills did yep. you have in high school? Most of the time it was ibuprofen. Sometimes I would get my hand on Vicodin every okay. once in a while. Uh, at least it wasn't oxy. Otherwise, you'd yeah. be wearing, well, wearing well, a Vic- diaper uh, right Vicodin's now. pretty strong, but it's like if you need ten last week, you need twenty that in sure. two weeks. You're like pissing Which turns blood. to 30. Oh, yeah. It, it goes higher and higher. So it's tough. And uh, I thought the most interesting thing about the documentary was David Arquette. Because I'm like, why the fuck? You were Dewey. Yeah. You were the, great you were Dewey. the sheriff. No, you weren't Dewey. Dewey, you was were... the, Dewey was the fake guy in a uh, scary movie. But you were the cop in Scream. You were an Ar- What are you, an Arquette? No, I think you're Hollywood scary. royalty, and now you're letting this freak yeah. cut you with a fucking pizza cutter in some fucking hole in the wall. Dude, I respect it. I love it. It's it's you're dedicated to the craft, dude. If I if I throw on shows in my garage and people are legit slamming me through tables, I could I love it. These guys are yeah, these. Wait, you do you do your own shows, Jim? I do it to an audience of like three. But you do tables are expensive nowadays. Dude, we're gonna stream that next time you do that. But Jim, you're not putting a pizza cutter in somebody's mouth, are you? I'm not saying I wouldn't. 
You nah, wouldn't do that to Luke. Luke's, Luke's getting married. He's got a pretty face. Jim, don't cut do my that. face you, with you a pizza cutter. You wouldn't do that cutter. before you're married. Well, wait till after I'm married. So I'm and listen, down. you take yeah. a guy out for a steak at the best steak restaurant in L.A., and you tell that guy not to cut you, and then he cuts you the next day, that is not a good person. Well, <laughs> I, it was just funny, though, for, for those that didn't watch it. So David Arquette wrote got wrote into this fluky thing in WCW years yeah. ago where yeah. he ended up winning the world title. The championship, yeah. The championship. Everybody then turned on him and hated him. And it was well, almost like should. basically the death blow of WCW. Yeah. Um. So he spent time training for years, for like eight years, to to get back in the ring and show the sport respect and to earn uh, people's admiration and show that he really cared about it. So then what does he do? Instead of going to like a normal organization, he goes to a deathmatch uh, combat zone and wrestles the most hardcore motherfucker, a guy that's literally robbed banks and has cut people's mouths with pizza cutters and that's exactly what this guy did to him too but he did not know what he was getting into and that was fucking hilarious um, you know what David Arquette's like he's like the guy in high school that really wants to be liked by everybody and then he like joins some group and everybody's like yeah he's a poser or whatever so he's like well I'll prove it to you and then he will do the most extreme thing in that in that thing to show that he's not a poser to like show off and people are like look dude we get you're trying to prove to us something but Holy you know shit. you got to start at a certain level before you go to the top of the of the like crazy insanity of like proving yourself yeah and you usually don't start with like a death match that's not usually no. like a you got to work your way up it's exactly. funny that he couldn't even imagine this stuff like he'd probably seen some ecw and was like, okay, I can, t- I know how to cut myself. I know how to get cut. I know how to you yeah. know, go through a table. Sure. Um, but he was just not prepared for this. This was no. uh, next level shit. You're f- like Nick Gage had been legally dead for seven minutes at one yeah. point. And that was ready to fight like the next minute. Yeah. You know, as soon as he gets out of the hospital, he's like, he's probably pissed that he lost the death match because he, he almost died. And, and now, and now the guy from Eight Legged Freak steps into the ring, and guess what? It didn't end well. And no. they cut him, cut him good, cut it, end up uh, accidentally cutting his throat, uh, and that's what our cat freaked out. He took the loss and ran the fuck out of there. And, that, um, and eventually, I can't really uh, blame him for that one. No, I just like that Nick just is like, oh, then I he got never, he was a pussy. I would never trust a deathmatch wrestler. Like, even if I was like, listen, we're going to have a fun exhibition. You're not going to cut me, right? Nah, of course not. I mean, do you guys, do you guys even look at, look at this as wrestling? Or I kind of, I feel like it's almost well, something that's what a little Cornette's different. Point. It's or, like Arena League football or something. See, like, see here's I, the thing about what I like about Cornette. Jim Cornette, he's great. He will talk about a fucking Sting versus Ric Flair match from like 1988. And he's coming in his pants. He's jizzing like he'll be like 20 minutes in. Ric Flair's working on Sting's leg. And the ref, the announcer is saying, look how he's working on the leg, getting ready for the figure four. And you know it's coming in 20 minutes. 
And he just like he builds it up like this drama of like what wrestling is supposed to be the pageantry. Yeah. And then you got like these guys with barbed wire and glass where there's no like artistry, there's no stories being told, there's no building. It's just like watching right. guys do jackass shit. It's like poor It's just jack- it's just this is what it is. It's all visceral. We don't really care about tugging any emo- anything emotional out of it. I don't know uh, what else like, you're watching. Mike could be Oscar nominated. The, I only watch high class shit. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> so I, get, I, 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 I respect what they do. I don't think I could watch it just because I don't have a, a lot of, I don't like a lot of watching a lot of blood. Yeah. But I respect them. And I also feel for his life because a guy who gets in the death match Aside from a David Arquette, who I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. These are people that are usually from really rough, you know, broken homes, tough kind of childhood, looking for an escape, looking for something that they're somewhat good at. And Nick Gage is probably good at it, a high threshold of pain where he likes pain. He enjoys pain. He's got a high threshold for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is his biggest skills where you take a guy like Ric Flair, his biggest skills are taking bumps, doing great work on the mic, which I love. My, yeah. my, I'll, I'll just get stoned. I'll watch 40 minutes of Bobby DeBrain Heenan uh, promos. I mean, Bobby sure. DeBrain Heenan is the greatest of all time. He said the Cow Palace is named after the women who work there. Well, <laughs> I mean, one of the that's, greatest, the, that's the thing time. with the, this is there was no... You know, there's no there was no promos in this no. thing at all. I don't know no. if they actually filmed them or not, or you just show up to some fucking uh, banquet Field. hall in some Holiday Inn and watch. Well, these the other guys do thing they thing. were the other thing they were laughing about was that the guy hides his face in every match, and then he robs a bank and he decides to not hide his face at all. Oh yeah, looks right into the camera. <laughs> that was the best. He's like always coming out to the ring with a bandana. Like he's yep. a old wild west guy just covering yep. his face. And then he actually, during his fucking low point with drug addiction, he ends up actually robbing a bank and no facial covering at all. He basically looks into the camera like uh, a child actor, just not knowing what to do. And it, that was fucking hilarious. And it, it was super funny. This we guy, to, yeah, I mean, like, I, you can only wonder what the hell the rest of this guy's. And there is sort to, of a redemption story with him because he came back, yeah. he got his shit together, and continued yeah. his career. But you're kind of wondering where does the future go well, with this guy? Up with death, and eventually, you know, it's like the movie The Wrestler coming to life, where it's like, you know, death is imminent. You know, but people do what they do because they have to live, and and. Like one of the things I always, I used to love Evander Holyfield, and like around forty, they they found out he had a bad heart, that he could die, and yet he's still boxing. And I'm like, uh. what is he crazy? The guy made millions of dollars. He beat Tyson. Why is he still boxing? And then I figured out, people like that, you need to live. Like doing what you love to do is living. And and a lot of these guys, if if they're not doing what they love to do, they ain't living. So Nick Gage, yeah. like. He'd rather be dead doing death matches than being alive and not doing. I firmly believe that. It's what gets him off. 
It's what gives him purpose in this bizarre world. But we have to say, rest in peace to the great New Jack. Oh, yeah. One of the greatest tag teams of all time as an ECW uh, uh, fan and purveyor of the great era from like 96 to about 99. Him and Mustafa were an incredible tag team. He was amazing at promos. He was hysterical. He didn't have a lot of wrestling skill, but he did a lot of great fucking stunts. And he was so funny. He was so great on the mic. And even though he was pretty much a criminal, he was deeply loved by the guys in the locker room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was. uh, There is a dark side of the ring on him as well, which I would encourage anybody to check out because he's, you know, one of those guys that started out as, you know, um, part of a main is, is kind of a mainstream wrestler yep. and then transitioned sort of into doing just mostly death matches later on, including one. He was where... really hurting people. That <laughs> yes. was the thing. He was losing his mind. There's a story where this seven year old legend was wrestling him and the guy wasn't selling his bumps. So he's like, fine, you're not going to sell my bumps. I'm going to take this guitar and really hit you with it. And it was a mess. Just yeah. beat the shit out of a 70-year-old man. That is... Uh... Yeah. But, you know, there was a couple <laughs> other things. But he, he came from a very tough childhood, and he was deeply loved by the wrestlers. And the way of it, if you respected the business, he respected you. Because anybody that's, like, seemed as a good guy, they love him and he loved them. It's just the people that kind of disrespected him or the game of wrestling, he couldn't really handle... And he took his anger out on him. But uh, very sad about his death. And him and Mustafa were such an entertaining team. He'd basically bring in a garbage. He'd bring in a garbage cannon to the ring. He'd throw it in the ring with a lot of weapons. And it was always, like, funny what would be in it. And it'd be, like, guitars, typewriters, televisions, (laughs) you name it, frying pans. And it would all be, like, just, oh, man, it was... Those are some lonely days in my life, but ECW was fucking fantastic. No, I was there. I actually had my knee blown out by one of the Dudley boys. I was sitting front row at the ECW uh, one year, and the Dudley boys got thrown into the fence, and I was in the front row, and boom, it crashed my fucking knee. I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's like a 300-pound dude. And uh, luckily, I... I mean, they would go it, but... into the crowd and wrestle at the shows. And like when you were there and they're like right next to you, like anything goes. And it's just like, you know, you're in the shit. It's, you know, it's like going to a mosh pit and knowing like you could get hurt. Now that those and early days like, were absolutely just the fucking best of blending sort of that deathmatch no type attitude with actual wrestling and shoots. And, you know, I, it was went... it was perfect of blending the line of like what people expect wrestling to be, which is kind of like it's stay it's quote unquote stage fake, whatever it's blending that line between that. And then like the little kid, how little kids view wrestling as like this shit is happening. It's real. It was real. It was staged, but it was like, it got real as well. Oh yeah. They would call people out. Like they like other companies. They tell Vince McMahon to go fuck himself and Eric Bischoff to fuck off. And like, when you hear that, you're like, Cause, cause we were mad. Like we were like down on WWF, me and my high school buddies. We were kind of never thought WCW was cool. Cause we were like from New York. So that was like a Southern thing. 
And when ECW came out, it was like, wow, these guys are telling off the big people. This is great. They just told Eric Bischoff to fuck off. And I'm like, this is amazing. No, they they totally helped uh, reinvent it and save it because it was a... It was kind of floundering there for a while, and they really brought in a new um, attitude to it, which, you know, that they never went else as started. far as anyway. Nick Gage, though. I don't think Nick Gage would have worked out there just because. No, because was- it was just, yeah, it was, that's just a little too straightforward. It's not, you know, you got to work a mic. The I, next, you need to give a shit. You got to work yep, a mic. The next Dark Side of the Ring is going to be interesting because it's about these matches in North Korea that the WCW had these like private matches in north korea north korea yeah when it kind of <laughs> wasn't supposed to but they got paid a lot of money so they were like fuck it let's do it and i guess there were great matches is that? that is well i i'm i'm exci- i can't I'm, wait to watch this thing yeah that's like during like communist russia somehow they like the wwf went there and did like exhibitions or something or some sport went to russia and did like some weird exhibitions yeah, well, that it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to cover that next week. Okay, guys, we're running a lot of time, uh, running low on time. Let's. Uh, one final thought I have is, fucking God bless Marv Albert, who announced oh, yeah. he is retiring. The yes. legend. Yep. Just one of the best announcers ever. Just a fucking sharp wit. Uh, I especially loved him when he was with Bill Walton. I always thought that was a good combo. They were great. I used to love Bill Walton back then. Uh, yeah, Mark he Albert. Just... He he got his sexual assault at the right time. Oh yeah, because it was before the Me Too thing, and he was able to take maybe a year off and then come back. And, Jim, do you uh, remember that? Were you a little bit. Enough? I was I was a young one then. Yeah, <laughs> I think he got caught of. Uh, biting a woman and he come was, here young jim let me tell you about biting he was wearing women's crotchless panties. oh i know about biting hookers yeah uh, <laughs> jim do you have any crotchless panties <clears throat> lying around in the garage i have like one pair and is that head of hair just a fucking shitty wig because Mark and, Albert uh, got exposed yeah. on a lot of fronts during that uh you know incident. he was announcing the new york knicks in 1972 so he's retiring at 80. Let me try. Oh, to he's do- that old. Holy shit. I so didn't when he was, he was doing the Knicks in 72, he was 82, 92. He yeah. was only 31 years old. That's pretty What hot. has he been doing lately? Has he been, he's just been on the Knicks or Nets lately, hasn't he? Yeah, like- he went from the Knicks to the Nets. When I was a kid in New York, he was always the Knicks television guy. And then it, get, it went to Mike Breen, who's yeah. the Nets guy. And then he moved to the Nets and he was doing like football for the Jets. Like he would always do the NBC with NBC at football, the AFC when I was a kid. And he would always, it would always be him and Joe Namath would do the Jets growing up. And he was great with Joe Namath. He was great with Mike Fratella. He'd call him the czar, the telestrator, which was always funny. Uh, he's just one of those yeah. guys just – like one of a kind kind of influence a little by Howard. Co- He's like, if Howard Cosell had really great skills of broadcasting a game, it would, you know, it'd be Marv Albert. Yeah, Howard Cosell and- was just a great kind of wordsman and sure. character that was hated and loved. 
Whereas Marv Albert could really call a game. He could call a game and he was just fucking hilarious too. Very subtle sense of humor. Oh, very subtle. Fly over a lot of people's heads. Yeah. But if you were in, in tune with what he was doing, you, you'd just have the time of your life watching some game. All right, guys, any other final thoughts for the week? Uh, I'll just give you a quick, uh, Jim might be happy because the Penguins are killing the Islanders two zip. Love and it. like I said, the Lightning are already beating the Panthers two zip in the first period. Okay, Jim, any any last words? I would like to sincerely say, fuck the, the spring league for not letting me gamble on them. I love now, the league. You can't what do you mean? It, it's a, I have it's, not been able to find lines on the spring league anywhere. Is that their fault? Anywhere. Who's fault is that? I blame them. I blame <laughs> them. They're so foolish. They could get 50% more audience. Well, that and, they ne- that and they don't advertise for shit. Like, I love the league. I love the teams. I love the players. The games have been fun. Um, they even had like a game tonight. They got. I'll take your action. You give me money. I'll take your action. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna have to start doing it myself. I think. Let me see. Let me. I'm looking at Bovada right now. I'll get, tell you real quick if they are taking action. But I'm sure you probably checked, right? I've do. I've checked. I what I feel like every offshore book. Mm, is what all football. What do we got? CFL, NFL. You're right. What is going on with that? that I, is I can only imagine it's because it's built as like a developmental league so that the rosters change literally every yeah. year. And there's like a so, lot of weird turnover stuff to it, but they're on yeah. TV now. Wait, could you bet on them in previous years? No. Oh, okay. but yeah, up, I don't know up until last year, they weren't on TV or anything. They were just like, I'm, I'm shocked like that camp. they even have a meeting. Like one of the first things you would do is like, Hey, we got to get. Well, they, they, up. um, the, one of the stories that came out from them in 2020 is they um, they sold all of their data to like a gambling agency. Weird. They sold like a whole bunch of their stats and analytics. They're it's they're in a weird position. So like they um it's it's viewed as a developmental league, but they're on Fox Sports and Fox Regular. Um, they are like getting more legitimate all the time, but their website doesn't post stats. And you can't gamble on them. I don't fucking understand where they're at. Very odd. Who? Okay, so do you have any idea how they're funded? Then the players pay, pay to play. Oh, what? yeah. It's the the players pay. I mean, some you get some players that probably don't like a DeAndre Francois is in the league. He might not pay because he's a bigger name. Right. But it's generally two thousand dollars per player uh, to play. And how do you and make they, money? How the players don't. It, this is to like get more. This is like a developmental league to get them more film and get them practice to hopefully get them in the NFL. Man, are you taking a thing. piss? Yeah. Nice. Hey, but listen, man. You know, uh, I was listening to a documentary about Pantera, and Phil Alzamo says that uh, like that back there listening. shits on stage. That he would go to the side of the stage and they take a bucket. And he's shit, and he still could do a guitar solo. So, never mind me. I I would never I would never doubt your greatness. Okay, guys, it's been real. Uh, looking forward to a lot of uh, playoff developments this week, and uh, we'll talk. Everybody listening, thank you, and have a great week, guys. All right, guys, have a good one. Yeah. See ya. Sorry about that. I had to go really.